Well, Happy New Year, boys and girls, and welcome back to Molecule to Market. It goes without saying, but we wish you a very healthy, happy, and prosperous year ahead. And today is a celebratory episode. It is our 100th episode of Molecule to Market. Can you believe that? I certainly can't. From the first episode that I uh, recorded in a little wardrobe in Boston, to where we are today has been an incredible journey and one that I'm very proud of. And certainly start by saying a big fat thank you to you for listening in and taking the time every week to listen to the various guests that we've managed to get on the podcast. And also a huge thanks to all the guests that we've had on over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, the podcast is just at the start of its journey and you are on that journey with us. And for that, we are very, very grateful. So, as our 100th episode, we thought we'd do something a bit different. One of the nicest people that I've ever met in the pharma outsourcing space, a brilliant man called Dan Stanton, who many of you will know as the editor at Bioprocess International and managing editor at Informa Connect, has kindly decided to be our host for today's episode and you know for many of you that have avid listeners to the podcast you'll know that dan was one of our early listeners in fact he was episode number five if you want to go back and have a listen to dan and his story of how we ended up becoming one of the leading journalists in the contract services space we thought it would be fun for dan to come on and interview your regular host that's me of course, Roman Segal, and just reflect back on 100 episodes, where the podcast came from, uh, a bit about my journey in the last year or so as well. Uh, it's been a bit of a monumental year in 2022, so Dan touches on uh, a couple of those points. I had no idea what Dan was going to ask me, so it was, uh, I know, and I firmly know what it's like being a guest on the podcast as Dan fired lots of questions at me, but for you, for you guys who are regular listeners of the podcast it's a it's an episode that goes into some of the backstory of how the podcast idea came about and how the first guests came on and just how it's evolved over the last two years so hopefully one that you enjoy a bit about my story in there and some of the plans moving forward yeah i mean there's nothing else to say other than i really hope you enjoy today's episode it was really fun being on the guest side of the the chair so to speak rather than the host don't worry i'll be going back to becoming host for for the next few um and beyond that just thank you to my team past and present i would say there are individuals that started on our journey on the podcast that have since left production team and the team that are currently on it now continue to make uh, work really hard in consistently putting out new episodes on a weekly basis thank you to Gemma, roxana hannah and to tony and uh, george and savannah and sophie who were previously involved in the team everyone's pulled together and making this podcast happen and for those team members i'm incredibly grateful and thank you again to you for listening to the podcast uh as always, I'm going to ask you to just leave us a nice, kind rating. Come on, if today's, you've been putting it off for a long time. It's the 100th episode. Surely now, today is the day 
to give us a kind rating and maybe share the podcast. And if you're feeling even more generous today, go on Amazon and buy my book, The Floundering Founder, and get a bit more insight into my story and the growth that I've enjoyed at Remarketing. Thanks again and enjoy this special 100 episode episode. Hello, my name is Dan Stanton, a B2B journalist specializing in the pharma manufacturing space. And I am delighted to be hosting this rather special 100th episode of the Molecule to Market podcast. The Molecule to Market podcast was launched back in 2020 as an opportunity to delve into the minds of the innovators and influencers, making a personal and professional impact within the pharma outsourcing space. And so who better to be sitting in the hot seat for this 100th episode than Roman Zago himself? Roman, if you don't know, is the founder and global president of Remarketing, an international digital design and content agency that supports companies in the industry's outsourcing space. He is also the co-founder of Life Sciences Talent Agency, lead candidate, and a serial entrepreneur. Now, if that wasn't enough, he is also the best-selling author of The Floundering Founder, the Bible for B2B marketing entrepreneurs, and of course, the creator and regular host of this, the Molecule to Market podcast. However, most importantly, he is a dedicated family man and someone I am very honoured to call a friend. Roman, welcome to your own podcast. <laughs> thanks Dan and thank you for that very kind introduction that makes is get me a little bit worried because that was very overly kind from from you Sophie I fear for what is coming but nevertheless I appreciate it and yeah and thanks for agreeing to be the host of Molecule to Market for what is a real celebration which is our 100th show well I can't really step into someone else's house and be rude to them can I now <laughs> I bet you have at some point in the past. <laughs> I'm never invited back after that, so I'll be good. I'll, I'll keep my lips as sealed as I can. However, let, let, let's begin by, um, well, congratulating you on reaching 100 episodes of, of, of this podcast. It is a major milestone and um, definitely something to be celebrated. Um, but it's also been a pretty crazy year for you um beyond the book launch um it's kind of important for me to point out to the listeners if they they don't know this already that you and your team um have received a major investment um at remarketing um from private equity firm north edge so before we talk about the pod itself how big a deal is this for remarketing in general and i guess being you personally yeah i mean it has been a it's been a very monumental yeah personally and professionally uh, obviously the book launched at the start of the year um, and whilst the book was launching we were going through an M&A process uh, you know speaking to various partners who were interested in in investing in remarketing and uh, yeah and, and thankfully we found a great partner in North Edge Capital and we signed mid-April uh, earlier this year and you know for for me personally you know I've, I've had the privilege of interviewing many entrepreneurs on on the show and it, it felt like a good time to recognize that you know 13 years on i was able to get the business to a point well beyond what i kind of hoped it could ever achieve but we are very ambitious as a business at remarketing and so it was recognized you know what has got what got us here isn't necessarily going to be the same to get us where we want to go and so we felt like that was an opportunistic time to bring in an external partner and you know for me personally you know what private equity means in reality is it meant you know i sold a chunk of the business which was an incredible 
achievement and accomplishment and something I feel very privileged to have done. That's obviously changed my life personally and, and the life of my family, but at the same time, just given me a new lease of life to take the business forward and work closely with MRR CEO and the rest of our leadership team. And yeah, just continue the growth trajectory that we've been on. But yeah, it's just an exciting, a really exciting year, I have to say. And um, obviously remarketing, um, I mean, the name of the company uh, <laughs> references you yourself. And 13 years ago, you were um, sitting in your parents' house on a laptop and um, selling up the company. So um, in a relatively short amount of time, uh, you've, you've, you've grown this business out and you've kind of, uh, through this M&A, um, uh, through this deal, you, you, you've kind of relinquished a little bit of control. How does that feel? Is that, it, it, you know, a person I'm a control freak, I never let anything go, but that's <laughs> why I'm not a particularly successful businessman. How, how, how do you cope with that? It's a good, it's a good question. And it's one that, um, I've been asked when I've spoke to other entrepreneurs since, you know, look, you, you every deal has a compromise right and so you know in, in order to take some chips off the table you have to compromise on on something else w what i would say is as the business has evolved in the last three or four years the operational running of the business was has been run by someone else for several years now so you know the days of me answering the phone and, and doing everything on every client account are, are, are certainly long gone when i moved to the us actually that was the good opportunity to recognize that I wasn't the guy to run HR and finance systems and all that kind of stuff. So in terms of control in the in the truest sense, you know, I've not been running the business day day in, day out for many years. So nothing's hugely changed since the deals happen in terms of there's a little bit more structure around my role in terms of what I am what my best place to do. And actually personally I found that very freeing because it's given the wider team more responsibility more accountability to deliver work for clients and just take on more which in a sense sounds like i've got no work to do but actually what it's meant is the the manner of the work that i have to do within the business has just evolved and changed and like many of the guests that i've interviewed as they've gone up in their careers into more senior roles or their business journey has evolved it just is just a different era for the business but um, i'm certainly not a control freak i would say and and what I found, you know, six months, seven months in, uh, since we signed with North Edge, it's been, it's been great, and they have been very helpful and respectful, and shown great integrity, which are really important and aligns with our values, which is ultimately, you know, all that I'm bothered about. And and hey, the, the business has continued to grow and succeed, and and we are now seventy five plus people, which, you know, from from how you described at the start when it was just me in a spare bedroom on a laptop trying to think of a company name is uh yeah it's uh it's an amazing journey one i'm so proud uh that i've that i've achieved with the support of my friends and family uh, and obviously people like yourself dan and uh yeah and it's just a new era it's a new chapter and one that i am fully embracing and excited about it feels like the um this sort of deal um this this capital input is is necessary to take remarketing to the next level so very briefly because again i do want to talk about this podcast um in depth um what does uh what does remarketing look like going ahead with um with the private equity behind it now yeah sure so yeah and and it's funny because, you know, 100 episodes, I don't think I've ever spoken about remarketing on the podcast, which is, you know, one of the one of the intentions very early on was for the the podcast to have a very independent editorial feel. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't kind of 
biased towards remarketing or anything like that other than the fact that it's funded and sponsored by remarketing um so it does feel odd to be talking about remarketing on the on the podcast but you know where we can you know, we're on a great growth trajectory we're continuing to recruit and, and develop our service proposition i think geographic growth will continue to be a factor obviously we set up and, and established the business in on the east coast i think we'll continue to do more in north america and potentially in the europe and asia going forward um, but, you know, the sector that we work in, Dan, you know, well, is continuing to grow and expand and diversify. It's still a very fragmented space. You know, we operate from early phase discovery all the way to, you know, I suppose the big CDMO manufacturing companies and commercialization partners. So the diversity of clients within the space that are, you know, that need support in raising their profile, brand strategy, you know, content creation, websites all that kind of good stuff and actually just helping them grow you know we are a growth partner which is which is really important to a lot of companies especially you know ironically given the question private equity backed companies are a great partner uh, for for remarketing because we understand the growth trajectory so so very much continuing what we're doing and continuing on the growth path that we're on and i think you know importantly for me it's a little bit of handing over uh, the reins to to a wider team and bring in some of that, uh, you know, youth that we brought into the business years ago and watching, you know, I mean, you, you've met several of my team before, watching them grow within the business and in their life, you know, getting you know, getting engaged, getting married, buying houses, having babies. It's it's an, it's a real privilege to be working with people and, you know, watching them go far in their career and become more senior, but also at the same time, watching their life milestones happen is uh it's by far the the most rewarding thing of of what I do. It, it does sound cringeworthy to say, but it's kind of true. It does feel, from my point of view, looking in, that uh, remarketing is as as much of a family as you can get within um, uh, a, a business itself. So, um, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> you've had a hundred episodes of this podcast now, and you finally got a plug in. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk about the podcast. Um, where are we? we're a hundred episodes in now with this one? We've you've had over eighty guests appear, uh, thirty thousand plus downloads. But tell me, how did it all start? What what drove you to begin um, the podcast? I love podcasts. That's the first thing to mention. So I'm a I would class myself as a podcast addict. So I reckon I listen to an hour to an hour and a half of podcasts on a daily basis, maybe longer on the weekends. So if I'm running, driving helping in the house doing anything that is not you know interacting with another person i've generally got my headphones in and what i you know if I, you know rewind back to it was i think it was december 2019 you know we always actually had an idea at remarking that we wanted to do a podcast and we kind of flirted with different ideas of like you know should we do it about marketing agencies should we do it about marketing in this space and then i remember it i distinctly remember being on a flight from Boston to San Francisco it was for JP Morgan and I mean you're gonna laugh because you know me pretty well but I remember getting on the flight and looking at the time going oh my god it's a seven hour flight I had no idea this country was so big I was like I could get back to Europe in that time so I I had seven hours on a flight to to really and I dedicated that time to think about what the podcast was going to be about by the time I got to San Francisco went back in time to, <laughs> to sunnier climate in January from Boston I'd come up with a name, I'd come up with a concept and, you know, I I knew there was nothing like this in the space and I'd seen my own 
adoption and addiction to podcasting grow and i and i and i knew it was a, a growing field and a medium that people particularly young people adopt to and so for me it felt like a really good opportunity to combine a few things you know one my love for podcasting two i love meeting people and interviewing people and just getting to know people generally that's been a, a strength of mine for many years and it was just kind of taking that to another level and then i think the final thing was coming up with something of value you know, there's a lot of, you know, they call it the graveyard of podcasts where people do podcasts to do about four or five episodes and then they never do them again. There's, there are literally millions of these podcasts, you know, on the app store. So committing to something and committing to the audience that actually, and I think we said, right, we're going to do it for a year and just see how it goes. And what I didn't see was the momentum that was going to grow um, and the real love for the podcast and the stories that we bring um, is, is really been very uh, humbling and, but Nevertheless, the vision became a reality and it's kind of, you know, it feels now like we're just at the start of something, something really great. So, so the concept was, um, was created on this seven hour flight across the States, but, um, pretty soon after that, um, if I get my, if I've got my timing right, um, no one was flying anywhere because the, the pandemic, hit. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious to know, um, you know, the, uh, a lot of bad things happened during that period, but um, a lot of creativity happened and a lot of people started turning to a sort of more virtual world, a, a world of uh, webcasts and podcasts. And I'm wondering if um, somewhere in the back of your mind, that sort of, um, uh, there was a silver lining as far as the pandemic went, because it really allowed um, our industry to engage with uh, with with. with uh, with your podcast, with this medium, a bit more than maybe it would have done um, a year or two before that. Am I um, trying to tie two things together badly here, or, or do you, you know you, 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 you're bang on? And it sounds crazy to say it, but COVID definitely helped our podcast and helped many podcasts and digital platforms generally. Because it, I mean, I look back and actually, you know, our first the introduction to Molecules Market episode aired on April the twentieth, twenty twenty. So we were just a, a month into the pandemic and all trying to work out what what was going on. Obviously, we didn't time it for that specific reason, but it just happened that we launched the podcast at the start of the pandemic. And there's no doubt about it. I think that that there's there's a few factors. I think one was access accessibility to guests became easier because you've when you've got busy people that are not traveling around the world as per normal, they're at home happy to do things like that. So they were more available, which was, was one thing. The other thing was people were just bored and couldn't go out the house. So we're tuning into different <laughs> type of content. And, you know, in our sector, as you know, Dan, the amount of times you and I have met for a beer or whatever at events, the, the, I mean, the, the hardest thing for a lot of us was those events just disappeared. So you kind of, I think people had to get their fix of what was going on in the sector in different ways. And for me, virtual events, for example, were fine for the first few months. And then it was like, oh my God, I can't be bothered to do another one of these. Like especially like networking things, I think they're quite difficult to pull off from a virtual perspective. So I think the nature of our podcast was was designed to be in-depth kind of conversational discussions with an interesting guest. So almost that idea of like a fireside chat and bringing together as much of the personality as, as the insights. So I think you're absolutely right. I think COVID accelerated the growth of the podcast and and definitely helped get it shared amongst people quicker so despite the fact you know given the time again i would absolutely not have the pandemic because it it, it was so uh, you know difficult for everyone globally but nevertheless i think just 
you know, get being at the right place at the right time. Sometimes it was just luck. It was coincidence, whatever word you want to use. Um, but nevertheless, you know, we had a team that that worked really hard in bringing it to life. You know, ideas are one thing, Dan. Ideas are the easy bit. I always say that, you know, often when we're pitching on work and people are like, oh, you shouldn't give away all our ideas. I'm like, ideas are the easy bit. Execution is everything. And I think for us, I think the execution of the podcast and then the consistency of the podcast has been probably key to its success. And obviously I'm the host and I'm the one people hear, but, you know, there's a team of people, there are a team of people that have actually not, you know, they're not in the business anymore. They've left now. And, but, you know, there's been, I'd say six, seven people that have been absolutely instrumental throughout the entire journey. Um, so it's been a real team effort to, to consistently bring the podcast to, to people's ears. A few things that I'm going to pick up on. First of all, um, the, 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 the pandemic, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, um, be asked to be one of the guests back, back in the early days. I think I was episode four or five or six. Five, you were number I, you were number five, yeah, that's right. I was number five. That, that's yeah. I'm going to hunt down the first four um, and uh, eliminate them because really I should have been number one. But I'll, I'll let you off that factor. But I did remember getting the call and just thinking anything to um, distract me from um, trying to homeschool the kids or um, you know <laughs> queue up at the supermarket with a mask on. But um, uh, so it, yeah, it was really a, a bit of a strange new world when this this podcast went, but um, w- w- went out at the, the, the beginning. But it also kind of points out that you know you had me on as a guest. Um, uh, I'm a journalist, but generally the people you've had on range across the full life science spectrum. So really, I, I kind of want to know how you went about back in back when you started and. and um, in in selecting guests or choosing who you want to speak to, and how that may have evolved um, over the the last couple of years, as um, as I guess you honed in on this medium a bit more. Mm-hmm. Good good question, and I think you know if I look back, one thing when you start a podcast, you have to think about is you ha- we almost wanted to get five to ten podcasts in in the can, so to speak, before we started. So we had a pipeline of podcasts to go. So I think we got six or seven yours included recorded, you know, over the space of a couple of weeks. So we had a runway because we, you know, that's the worry is, well, no one else (laughs) wants to come on. So dare I say, I think I absolutely exploited my network of, of people to try and get people on the podcast early, early on, because in reality, no one really knew what they were doing. I mean, even to this day, you know, we interview some people and they haven't got a clue what a podcast is. So they've been, they've either, their PR company has pitched them or, you know, they've been recommended the podcast and they have no idea what a podcast is. They just think it's an interview of some description that might go on camera or, or whatever. So I think that's part of the challenge, which is, you know, a lot of people just didn't know what podcasts were. But those that didn't know what podcasts were were like, yes, I'll definitely do it. Like this sounds really good so it was a real mix of kind of taking advantage of existing contacts that I already had and people that I knew would be probably confident enough to come on and have uh, an initial conversation and in terms of how it's changed I mean that's probably been the in one sense you know the people that I meet when I'm out and about are definitely still a source of guests there's no doubt about it um you know in the nature of the work that I do with the various companies i just meet lots of people and i find interesting people and i'll say hey do you want to chat about coming on the podcast and this there's no rocket science behind it i suppose the interesting thing which you can appreciate given your journalistic perspective is we now often get pitched guests all the time so 
you know, through the Molecule to Market Pod website, we get, you know, regularly, say on a weekly basis, we get a few, you know, um, pitches effectively or people saying, hey, I've listened to the podcast. We want to bring on a CEO. So in fact, today, you know, a global CDMO messaged me. It was a guy that had been on the podcast. He'd moved somewhere else and he said, we'd love to get our CEO on there. So it's definitely switched um, to, you know, people pitching to us rather than us going out, having get, getting guests. But today it's a bit of a combination, I would say. And we do say no to people. I mean, I said no to someone recently um, just because I didn't think they were right fit for the podcast. And quite honestly, when someone's been rude or disrespectful or just not very nice to us or someone we know in the past, then generally we don't let them on the podcast either because we know they're not very nice people and so you know not that we're playing god or anything like that but there's definitely an element where we don't have to put anyone on that we don't want to put on and that was one of the reasons that we've we've shied away from having big sponsors and all that kind of stuff because i think it potentially dilutes it's not to say it couldn't happen and we did trial with a sponsor for a few weeks just to see how it'd go and you know respect to the company Zimewire who trialed it because they didn't try and influence our guests to try and come on the show or anything like that they were actually really respectful um, but nevertheless, like having control just allows us to get the guests that we think are going to be interesting for the audience. Like that's the number one thing. When I'm meeting a potential, like, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, is this person got a good enough story or are they interesting enough or they, can they bring enough insight that will add value to our listeners? And that's the kind of fundamental premise I kind of work from. I'm, I'm not going to ask you now to um, give me a list of those bad apples, but if you just want to send them over to me at some point, then we'll be able to um, have a little giggle about who got rejected um, in our own time. Um, I am, of course, um, being glib. But um, <laughs> but on a serious note, our industry, as we all know, is incredible. It's very awe-inspiring. It saves lives. But um, from a technical or scientific perspective, it can often come across as a little bit um, dry. So, I mean, when you're talking to scientists and you're talking to uh, uh, technicians or the, the the people who run these companies that make such amazing drugs, uh, um, how do you ensure your discussions don't become too technical or too niche or, or dare I say it, too boring? Because your conversations are boring. That's what I love about this podcast. And they very easily could be. Well, thank you for that because you know you just never know with with some guests how it's how it's going to go. I think one thing we do with every guest is we have a pre call, and I often say on that pre call, look, we ain't going to go too deep within the science and the technical things because it, people tend to. I was going to say glaze over, but I don't know what the audio <laughs> version of glaze over <laughs> is. But you know, put things in their ears or something like that. To, they switch off or they you know go crossed over. Right. Yeah, yeah, so crossed over. Um, as a visual there for our listeners to get their head around. So, so that's the main way and, you know, the nature of the questions and we, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but the formula behind the questions, you know, originally we had a good hundred questions that we had as a bit of a, a template that I used to use for go from, and they've been refined over the years. So, you know, one thing we've ummed and odd about, you know, do we change the question set? Do we change the cadence? But actually... It's kind of one of it's one of those tricky things, right? Because it, it ain't broke. So why try to fix it? So we try and focus on some interesting aspects of the guest background and how they got into the sector and what they do now. And we we try to stay at a relatively superficial level um, in terms of you know the technical side of things. 
where where you where we can go where i like to go a bit more technical is if it's really like an interesting area or if, it, if it's it's a bit broader so for example we had a guest on not too long ago um called evelyn who um specializes in the um orphan drug space so she's a real specialist in rare disease now rare diseases and orphan drugs are talked about a lot in the sector but she didn't come at it from a technical perspective and what i mean by that is she wasn't there talking about the you know, the specific development pathway for a specific compound or something like that. It was much more to do with, you know, the broader picture of where rare disease fits in and how orphan drugs can help and why they're driving demand for, you know, advanced therapies and all this type of stuff. And I thought that was fascinating and genuinely would have been, and it, it's not surprising, it's one of the most listened to podcasts that we've ever had because what it did, it, what it did is it actually just talked in a little bit more detail about an area that everyone has an, a bit of knowledge of but that they could all do with a bit more knowledge whereas you know if we've got i don't know an analytical specialist that wants to go really deep into analytical capabilities the reality is most of our listeners will switch off fr from that because you know maybe 10 percent are interested but 90 percent aren't and so that's that's kind of one of the techniques if you like that we've tried to use it to almost say to guests um, and we have what i would say we've had some amazing scientists on the podcast like people who've done you know when i read their biogs out there's often like you know his you know someone holds 50 patents and you know has done 500 publications and you're sitting there thinking these are some of the smartest people in the world and the really interesting guests i have to say i find are the ones that have that scientific foundation but almost carry themselves as leaders with you know great charisma like they are some of the most interesting guests that I've had on the podcast because you just have to admire their kind of academic and you know intellect like their their basic incredible intellect but this kind of unbelievable kind of personality piece that they bring to the table and they are few and far between but I've had the fortune of interviewing a few guests like that in the last last couple of years but both using um Evelyn that's um Evelyn Kelly as an example there um that conversation that, that that was a fascinating um uh, episode um and if you haven't listened if, if if the listeners here haven't listened to it they should definitely go back and listen to it but um that conversation could have gone a complete different way it could have it could have gone down the the dry route the, the tedious tiresome route or or just you know gone in a complete different direction so how do you ensure you get the best out of these people is that is that research beforehand? Is that just you, you mentioned that list of a hundred questions that you've honed down? But I mean, that's still pretty pretty tough going from someone who's tried to do that himself. It's it is it is a it's a really interesting question because one thing every episode is is each guest is researched. We've had a pre call with them, and so you know, so I interviewed someone yesterday, for example. Um, and that episode, I think, will come out after after this one, just the way the the, the way the pipeline works. And that individual had a you know fantastic experience, and a bit, but I'd actually saw Ian, this guy's called Ian. I'd seen Ian speak at an event, so I had my notes from when I spoke when I saw Ian speaking at an event. So I was able to prompt quite a lot of questions based on on that. So they and you know, and it's what I class is quite interesting things he's talking about you know, fragmentation of, of technology and complexity of new drugs and how it's really difficult for, say, CDMOs and CROs to decide where, which eggs to put their baskets, baskets in, so to speak. And so, again, it comes back to just researching the guests and having a few key questions. Where it gets difficult is sometimes guests come on and they'll, they'll do their introduction piece and they'll go really deep into something and 
you have to find techniques to bring them back up slightly. So, you know, so for example, if a client goes into a technology piece and then I'll often recognize that they've really gone down a hole of that technology and not everyone will know what the heck they're talking about. So I'll often say, you know, for someone that's not come across it before, can you give us the kind of broad view on it? Or like, you know, if you were telling a 10 year old how to do it, you know, what, what, how would you describe it? And at least then it gives our listeners some context because the reality is, as you said before, like the diversity within contract services is so broad now that actually you can't assume that everyone knows what, you know, about the latest trends in small molecule or, you know, uh, the, you know, from a rare disease orphan perspective. And we had one guy on, um, Chuck Frey, who talked about uh, Versa technology and that like, I'd never heard of it. So I had to, you know, research kind of the background of this coding technology and how it worked. And he came on and talked about it. And I think for some people, they would have really enjoyed that because it went into a bit more detail. Um, but what I always try to do is bring it back to a slightly more broader <laughs> positioning um, so people can kind of get a, a level of understanding without going too deep. I, I think your um, your talent is wasted as an entrepreneur because everything you're saying just ticks every every box a good journalist um, should should be. What, what I mean, this is a complete segue here, but um, ever thought of um, moving into the journalism area or starting in the journalism area or was, you know, just... Um, the entrepreneurial spirit in you just too much? Um, it's a it's a very funny question because up until about five years ago, when anyone asked my mum what I did for a living, she said I wrote stuff that went into newspapers because obviously I had a PR background. So I would say, say <laughs> back, you know, back in the day, I would write a press release for a client and it would end up in a newspaper. You know, and back in the day, you know, we had things in the Financial Times and the Times and all that kind of good stuff. And my mum would be like, yeah, but he, basically he's a journalist. And I'd be like, I'm not a journalist. But then it's really difficult to, to um, convey media relations and PR strategy to a 75-year-old uh, woman that has no context uh, of it. So, um, I, I mean, maybe I've definitely, I mean, I think there's definitely a curiosity factor which which makes me kind of be a bit more investigative and journalistic in my approach without actually being a journalist because... I remember one of the first journalists I ever met, he said, don't be a journalist, you won't earn very much money. <laughs> I think that's what put me off. <laughs> Always like, right. Too true, too true. <laughs> so, yes. uh, it's funny though, because, um, you know, my, my, uh, as a B2B journalist in the biopharma space, my my mum my doesn't really understand any of those words. So uh, I think she's just basically said I've I, I'm a doctor every so often when she struggles. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go back to the podcast. Um, we, you know, we've we've seen the success. You've, you've talked us through some of them. Uh, you know how you get the best out of the guests, but um, we all love hearing about problems and slip ups. So, um, with that, do you have any examples of of something that you tried and that didn't quite work maybe back in the early days of the podcast other than interviewing myself um and i guess what lessons did you learn from that yeah we've had a few i would say and I, I, what i what i would say is it's quite a forgiving medium because it's you can edit it and it's not live and, and all that kind of stuff which it's going to contradict which is one of the things that we tried early on is we try to do live roundtables right at the start uh, i think it was probably 
maybe six months into the pandemic, we did a couple of li- like live roundtable episodes, which I think are still live. Like we're still on there, and then it dawned on us that there's absolutely no reason to do them live, and that we could record them and make them much like better produced and ensure the guests were better prepared and, and all that kind of stuff. Because the minute you say something's live, it is out the swearing. Well, yeah, and the, you you know the minute you are interviewing someone when it's live versus it's recorded where they feel like they've got a bit of got a bit of a safety net it does change it changes the dynamic so that was something very early on that we decided look we're not going to do live podcasts the only cha- the only thing that we we've experimented with have been that we've done these episodes at, at events where i've been out and about and i'll do these mini short podcasts but they're very small and the kind of room for error is is relatively narrow so like you know it's very much about them their organization and trends and stuff like that so it's nothing too complicated and so that's one thing that didn't quite quite work out early on as well we we kind of we had one guest on who was a sales guru and what we toyed with was an idea of bringing experts from different professions almost like a marketing expert like a sales expert and then like a i don't know a, a logistics expert but what we found was just from a you know from an analytical perspective people were just more interested in the like people that knew the space had an interesting background in the space could you know give them a few gems that they could then take into their business and almost like pass off as their own knowledge you know that was it sounds terrible to say but that's one of the reasons people listen to the podcast they'll listen to it they'll learn three or four things and they'll take it into their own organizations and they'll look very smart and bright in you know senior management meetings and so those those are some of the reasons i think that we 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 trialed different things and they didn't quite work. Um, the, the odd thing, I know you joked before about, you know, why we would interview journalists. What has been quite fun is actually interviewing people that on the obvious. So obviously interviewing you was, was interesting. And I remember one episode where we interviewed Adam, who's the biofarm guy. So biofarm is obviously very well um, kind of uh, known newsletter and website, which is almost like a directory listing of of biotech companies. And and Adam and I go back years just because we'd emailed each other for so many years, and I asked him to come on. And he's got such a fascinating story and how we ended up bringing this product in. That's one of the episodes people will say to me, "I really loved that episode. It was really good." And so there has been these like slightly quirky episodes, which aren't you know the you know, the CEO of a CRO or a yeah you know a CDMO type of business and all these slightly alternative episodes which which seem to be really well listened to actually and get which get shared really well as well you're listening to molecule to market where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space has there ever been a time where um something unexpected has happened or come out the mouth of one of your interviewees that maybe changed or affected your 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 own mindset um either professionally or personally any sort of big um uh, unexpected takeaways that you've been able to take on board i mean probably so many like genuinely if i look at like one of the reasons i love doing the podcast dan is i i like I learn so much from each episode. So like I approach it being like, I'm going to listen to this person for the best part of 35 minutes and I'm going to learn about their career path and how they, you know, what made them succeed. Like what were those core, core competence skills that got them to where they were? We often touch on leadership skills and how they've gone from, you know, 
level A to level B or level C, whatever way you want to do, like how they've gone up the ladder and some of the lessons and things they've learned. And one of the questions I always used to ask, and don't ask it as much anymore, <clears throat> was, you know, if you could go back and, you know, give your 25-year-old self some advice, what what would it be? And that's actually, what what one of the really interesting things about that question is the amount of times the answer has been, you know, I tell my I tell my former self to take more risks and not worry too much and not think, not, you know, and it is, I'm not saying everyone said that, but I reckon at least half of the people I've asked that question to. And, and if anything, like it actually fills me with a bit of validation that I'm glad I've taken more risks because actually when you spend time with people that don't take risks, they kind of look back and think I should have taken more risks. And um, so that's one of the things, some of it's been validating and some of it is just like general leadership learnings. I mean, the amount of things I've, I've learned and taken into my own business about, you know, just being a good leader and being a good listener. And, and you know, that that's that's been some of the key things. In addition to all the industry stuff, like, so every podcast I listen to, I learn so much about like, you know, a different pocket of the industry or a specific trend or something that could be a trend. Particularly during the pandemic, I would say, like we were hearing more and more about you know say you know biotech companies doing dual sourcing because they weren't sure about reliance on different like locations you know if they're getting stuff in china they want to make have a supplier in in india or sorry in the us or in europe as well as a kind of a backup um you know you, you, all these slimy like like slight little quirks of the industry that you would never come across unless you were having these types of conversations um, and what I would say is I'm just a much more knowledgeable person in terms of like what's going on in the sector. Um, you know, it's, you know, and as you know, it's led to me doing speaking gigs at CPHI and all these kind of, you know, credible events where I've been asked to come and talk about the sector. And that's been a, a real, I suppose, side effect, a positive side effect of doing the podcast is I can collate all of these learnings and then play them back to people and add some value to them and say you know hey this is what this is what the industry leaders are talking about and here's a kind of a a summary version of them and people tend to to take the, those types of insights and get great value from them well, i mean it's true if you speak to experts if you speak to enough experts then a lot of that knowledge is going to um, uh, get into your mind by osmosis and you're going to become that expert um or that expert across many different uh, many fields within a, a, a much wider industry and clearly your knowledge of the industry has um which was already had a pretty solid foundation has been um augmented um incredibly through doing all these podcasts i wonder though and here you know here's a chance for you to plug your book uh the floundering calendar which was launched <laughs> earlier this year but I, i'm wondering if there if if any of the uh knowledge that you've put down um in your book um, has kind of come about from the podcast or if um, if the two sort of mediums have kind of gone hand in hand um, or, you know, maybe they're completely different projects. But how, if, if you want to talk us through kind of uh, um, the, um, the, the the lessons you've learned from one to the other and vice versa, if, if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, it, it, because... it, it does. It does. Um, I would say it's been mainly validating um, where particularly around say leadership in culture and looking after clients and the things that are that are fundamental to the first half of that book you know the for those that haven't read it the book's effectively split into two one is about refocusing the business and improving your business and the second half is about 
refocusing uh, sorry, sorry sorry like bettering yourself as an individual and as, you know, if you look at the nature of the podcast interviews it it straddles the two things right it's about their personal development as in personal growth and journey and their professional success and the things they have learned in business and so what has been primarily validating is i'm hearing the same thing so for example when we talk about leadership lessons you often hear you know leaders have to set the right tone they've got to be on the front line you know this type of stuff is you know almost word for word of what i'd written in my book um and so i think there's probably quite a few things that have come from the podcast that say it happened in my life and then a podcast guest had said it and be like oh yeah that is ex- that's exactly how it seems to work you know and then that's then been that manifests itself in a paragraph in the book. Um, so, I mean, both, both projects are identical in some respects because you start with, you know, both of them, you start from a blank canvas and you end up with something that is a living, breathing product, which is something that obviously you, that you're very proud of, but it's just never ending. And, you know, certainly from the book perspective, you know, you get the feedback from the book of what people want going forward and you know all going well i'm going to attempt to write a second book at some point in the future and that's been really helpful to understand what people want and i definitely think i'll take some of the the learning from the podcast into this second book more so because i tend to interview people with bigger organizations and as my business has grown at remarketing it's a different like you know, we're a different animal than what we were where that, that book is initially aimed at and so i think there's a lot to do with leadership, with M and A, with dealing with investors, with you know hiring senior management team, there's a lot of like next level things which are beyond the floundering founder, which I think we discuss quite readily on the podcast. That I think will be really relevant for for book number two. You kind of preempted my question there um, because, um, like I, I've told you this before, the idea of a self help book for a marketing agency um, to to my ears just there was. I was dreading what I was going to be reading, and then I picked up your book. And <laughs> I I literally couldn't put it down. Um, you know, I had the kids screaming for their dinner, but I was like, "No, Daddy's going to finish finish this chapter, and then maybe you'll get some to eat." Because it, it really was a, an absolutely insightful um, uh, a look at, um, at 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 what not just what you do, but at at the entrepreneurial marketing side of. Um, of well, not just this business either, because it spreads to other businesses. So um, there is a second book on the way, as you've said, um, that will kind of um, build off some of those learnings in the first book. What about the future of the podcast? Um, you, you're still recording them. We're, what's going on for episode 101, 102, and so on? Is it you know copy and repeat, or are there any um, are there any surprises in store for 2023? It's a, it's a good question and we don't want to break the formula, which is the tricky bit because we want to make it better and we want to we want to improve the experience for the guests. We want to obviously get the podcast shared more and there are, you know, dare I say, marketing techniques that we can do. I mean, it's ironic really because given what we do, you'd expect that we would market the hell out of the po- podcast, but we've actually been quite subtle with the way that we've, we've done it and... Um, and I think a lot of that is just to be get to get the product right to make sure that the podcast is the best version. I mean, we have tons of guests lined up for 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 the new year and lots of podcasts that have already been interviewed. And what's really I think fascinating is we're getting guests on now, Dan, that we couldn't get two years ago. 
Um, so, you know, I'm interviewing, uh, you know, a, a real kind of heavy hitter um, in the next couple of weeks. And his podcast is going to gonna come out, you know, um, in the first quarter of, of 2023, which is which is super exciting. Now, two years ago, you know, that individual, Mark, would never have probably considered coming on our podcast because it was, it was a nothing <laughs> entity. So I think what we're expecting is probably even more, I don't want to say higher caliber guests because we've obviously had amazing guests on, yourself included, but I think a probably a consistent stream of really high kind of guests. And we've also shied away on the whole from bringing guests back on other than the ones that do in industry trends. And, you know, so people like Jim Miller and Alan Shaw and, um, you know, and you've come on a couple of times. Um, but we are looking at the whole thing. So I would say, you know, me and my team are looking at the whole way that we do podcasts and how do we make it even better? How do we improve the kind of audio quality? How do we share it more? How do we just, you know, make the whole thing better, which doesn't sound very complicated, but that's that's exactly what the focus is. Uh, one thing I will share, which we are really looking closely at, is we've been asked, you know, is there anything we can do from an event perspective? Because we've got, you know, we've not only had a hundred odd guests on, probably more than that now, maybe 120 guests on. We've also got a following of hundreds of people every week who listen to the podcast. And, you know, there's definitely a desire to see, hey, can we get every, you know, people in a room and get them together? And I'm not an event organizer. That's not my area of expertise, but we are thinking about, could we do something that's, you know, very niche and very specific on bringing together some of the best guests you know, some of the top guests from the podcast with a, you know, an event of some description, maybe around, you know, one of the big shows like DCAR or CPHI. So that's kind of something to whet people's appetite for, 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 for this year and beyond that, that might be of interest. And, um, so you will be going to DCAR, you'll be going to CPHI and what else, um, where else will we be moving around in 2023, you and the team? Yeah. I mean, for, for, me personally, I'll be certainly going to the the big show. So the ones that I mentioned, uh, Bio, obviously, I think is in Boston next year, and um, that's certainly one that I'll try and try and get to. And then beyond that, some of the smaller events. I've just come back from, uh, oh sorry, a couple of months ago, went to Farmer Integrates in London, which uh, which I really enjoyed. It's a it's a great event. Um, I did the Swiss Biotech event last year, which I thought was a great event. So a mix, I think, of the big kind of shows and then some of the smaller ones as well. And all of them provide a platform to obviously meet new people and, and get more guests. Um, one thing I didn't mention actually in terms of like going forward, Dan, which I think is important and I hope our listeners take this away is we've tried to get as many, as much, try to make the, the podcast as diverse as possible from a, from a guest perspective. So we've had lots of female guests we've had guests from all over the world you know people from diverse backgrounds different races different genders etc etc and that's something that we're really going to try and do more of next year um i mean it, it's really fascinating you know one of the one of the quirks of the analytics is episodes that that involve a female guest tend to perform better than a male guest <laughs> so you can read into that what you want and uh one of one of the one of the most surprisingly enjoyable episode that I did this year was um, a lady called Adrienne uh, Lusa, who was, um, I think the episode's called The African Butterfly or something like that. And it was a lady that works in the biotech space in Africa, in, uh, and I think she's in South Africa, she's based. And it was just such an incredible insight into 
a region, a market, an area that I had no idea of and neither did most of our listeners, I suspect. And again, it's that kind of diversity of thinking and that kind of, you know, in this global market that we're not just interviewing the same type of people over and over again. Um, and that's something we're going to work hard at, you know, in the year ahead is just to try and diversify the nature of our guests just to bring more stories to to people's ears. Well, that's fascinating because it kind of um, goes back to that question I asked about um, how do you ensure that um, some of your podcasts aren't dry because we all know this industry for too long has has basically been white male middle class run um but as as you're saying as, as you look at the stats from your podcast the the the, the more popular ones aren't necessarily um <laughs> coming from those um uh, white middle class um guests so um yeah i mean it really does sort of show the um importance of of um or, or the interest that um uh, a more diverse uh, interview list um, would bring to both this podcast and the industry as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other aspect to that as well, and, and you know, I mentioned before we're getting pitched more guests. It, one of the weird things has happened in the last six months, I would say, is we're getting more biotech-focused companies, so, you know, actual sponsor companies. We've had a couple of big pharma companies on as well from the external outsourcing perspective as well. So again, it's about balancing the view of having a perspective from the vendor, you know, the classic CRO, pharma services, CDMO sector, but also then from the buyer side. And I think those episodes have all performed really, really well because they give, you know, the idea behind them is, look, let's see how, you know, it's kind of empathy based. It's like, let's let's see what it's like being in the other person's shoes. And I think that's that's always a great position to take when you're doing these podcast interviews and we're seeing more and more tech companies coming into the space to try and digitize the supply chain and do some interesting things. So in the last few weeks alone, I've had four calls from West-based, uh, West Coast-based, like San Francisco-based tech companies that are coming into the sector, really highly funded companies that are trying to do something different. So bringing some of those stories to life just to show the evolution of of the bus- um, of, of the industry and where, and where that's going. So I'm excited for the year ahead and, you know, hopefully getting to 200 and 250 and 300 and continuing the podcast for many years to come. Well, I'm excited to carry on listening and um, to continue um, following your absolutely um, uh, trailblazing career because, um, you know, it, it every, this is, whether it's uh, setting up a marketing company, writing a book or... Um, creating and building this exceptionally successful podcast um it's uh it, it's 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 just a continued success story coming from um from yourself and your team um with that sort of um a desperate attempt to praise you at the end there um even more than i have in in in, in the previous 45 minutes I've got a tear in my eye dan i've got a tear in my eye that was a very very lovely thing you said well, I, I mean, it. obviously, we are friends, but um, it, you know, your career has um, has has just um, almost spiraled out of control, but in a good way. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, you know, and it, what I would say, you know, a couple of years ago, and I think there's a chapter in my book which talks about this as well. You know, like people only ever see the, you know, generally people only ever see the the front part of it, right? They never see the behind the say the behind the scenes struggle type thing, and I think it's important for people. To understand that you know with all the guests that i've interviewed and even you interviewing me now as as a success story of some description like you know there's 
that, that that's you know the front you see is always different from the behind the scenes of all the hard work and all the hours and all the thinking and all the creativity and all the that goes behind it and that goes for me and my team um you know the stuff hasn't happened by accident and i'm you know i'm so grateful for all my team that have, have, have continued to produce this thing and put it out into because people people like it and, and value it and and obviously also just thank you to our listeners as well like the you know I was going to say we wouldn't do it without the listeners, but I probably would because I just enjoy doing it. But it does help that we get listeners that really enjoy the podcast. You know, when I get out and about into shows, people know of me and know of the podcast and they're so complimentary and they'll often say, hey, you should get so-and-so. And that is, we love stuff like that. So um, we'd certainly encourage our listeners to continue to do that because if we ain't doing it for you, there's no point really. And so, uh, yeah, and thanks obviously, Dan, for, for your unbelievably kind words and unsurprisingly thoughtful and uh, excellent questions and i genuinely hope we've given people a bit of an insight into the podcast the background how it all happened some of the insights uh, we thought about doing a behind the scenes one uh, episode as well but that's a bit of this as well so you've, you've killed two birds with the same stone down so well well done to you well let's uh we should probably end it there before i get too sycophantic and you get too modest um roman as always it's an absolute pleasure um, and an absolute honour um, being asked to interview you. Um, look forward to the being here for the 200th episode. Thanks, buddy. Take care. You too. Hi again. Thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com, and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.